At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. And welcome in, Dan Leach in for Tim Murray and Sean King here on this July 4th. Happy holidays to one and all. And this time of the year, if you're a tennis fan, you know that it means normally Middle Sunday, which they're not playing on at Wimbledon, but the 100-year anniversary of it means they decided to finally do it. And we've got a great tournament going on, SW19 at Wimbledon. And we're joined here by Yahoo betting analyst Pam Maldonado to talk about it. Pam, thanks so much for joining us here on a brilliant July 4th. There's been a lot of fireworks around this country, but there's been a lot of fireworks at Wimbledon as well. Absolutely. Happy 4th of July to you also. Um, yeah, there's fireworks going on right now, and I can't wait for the fireworks that start of the quarterfinals for Wimbledon tomorrow. Yeah, but I got fireworks going off here in Detroit. Uh, there, It's just nonstop for the last, I don't know, ne- the next month, the last month. just never ends. It feels <laughs> terrible for the dogs. But Pam, I, I mentioned to you I wasn't going to give it away until now, and I, I brought it up a little earlier than the show. But I, I do have a couple futures tickets that I want to get your thoughts on. One blew up today that I was so proud of because I took Alex Dimonor, the Australian who should be in the quarters, but got to give Garen his due uh, in that five-set comeback. I, I got him at 100-1 to one to make the final. And then before the match today, he was 5-1. to one, And, of course, that didn't work out. But I do have the other side of that. I have Nick Kyrgios to make the final. I got him, I think, about 13 or so to one. And now it's down to, I think he's almost a money favorite uh, or close to, to do that to get to the final. Uh, Pam, Nick Kyrgios, when he is not, I know part of his clowning and craziness is just who he is. And it is fat. It's, I was reading an article where it's both great and terrible for Wimbledon to see what Kyrgios is doing. But when he is on, Pam, and they talked about this during the broadcast earlier today, Macaron and his brother were discussing this. There may not be anyone better on grass right now. I mean, other than a healthy Roger Federer 10 years ago, when he's focused, I don't know if even Djokovic could beat him. Um, yeah, Djokovic is actually 0-2 against Kyrgios. So, but granted, the last time that they played was in 2017. And right. both players are much different th- now than they were back then. Um, but absolutely, you saw the focus that Kyrgios had today in his match against Nakashima, Brandon Nakashima. He's a great American player who was a really happy, pleasant surprise on grass season. I can't wait to see what happens here at Hardcourt once they get back into because that's his most comfortable surface. But Nakashima was a really tough test, proven, and it went for full five sets. Kyrgios, you didn't see 
any antics from him. Aside None. from the raw talent that he has, in this tournament alone, he has over 100 aces. And that's only under four matches played. I mean, he is... He doesn't practice. He doesn't even have a coach. Kyrgios doesn't even have a coach. He's probably the only player on tour to have as such. If you look at his box, it's his girlfriend and then just like whatever crew homeboys that he has. Yep, randos. He doesn't practice really. He talks about how he doesn't get the same. He doesn't put in the same regiment as other players. So I don't know what he does on his off time. Is he just like laying out at the pool? Because I'm more than likely he's not putting time in on the courts because he's talked about how he doesn't want to do that. He goes back home to Australia. He hangs out. He has fun. He lives life. And then he shows up for these majors. And it's just he had a really great job at this year's Wimbledon. He's doing really well. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited because this is I'm both <laughs> I'm excited and torn because I wanted him. I wanted to see this part of Nick for so long. And it's right. just now coming around to it. Um, but I'm also not looking forward to I'm OK if he loses because I want not Rafael Nadal to win. So if he ends up, I don't think he'll get Nick Kyrgios to your answer to your question about is he going to make the final? I don't see it happening if he doesn't lose in this next round, which he shouldn't. Um, it's a two getting um, he's going to end up losing to Nadal. I have confidence. <laughs> So my heart's going to break twice. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, Pam. It will. Uh, it will. By, by the way, you mentioned what is he doing. Well, I know he said he wanted to have a glass of wine, so we knew he was drinking wine tonight. And I know he, I didn't get in trouble for going like 180 miles an hour in Australia years ago. I mean, like, I think you're, like you said, a lot of us have wanted to see this, especially when he's played in Australia, at the Australian Open. The crowds are crazy for him. Right. He really is an incredibly talented kid, but it's one of these things where he can't get out of his own way sometimes. But I do want to say he did talk about mental health stuff and, and he had suicidal thoughts. He he wanted to help others. So I think he's taking things a little more serious and we'll see that, but you may, we'll see how that goes going forward. You mentioned Nadal and I'm not disrespecting, uh, you know, Rafa, Viva la Rafa, Vamos Rafa, but he's playing American Taylor Fritz. And I'm looking at the odds right now. Nadal minus 265. Fritz, of course, having the, the best major run of his career. He's plus 215. You don't give the young American any chance in this one, the big serving American? I do believe that this has a really good chance to go a full five sets and it's going to come down to the wire. The other side of my prediction is it could be Nadal in straight sets. And the reason why sure. I say that is, one, we did just see Taylor Fritz defeat Nadal earlier this season at Indian Wells on a hard court. He won in straight sets, but everyone, I think, is overlooking. Let's not forget that in that match, Nadal, unbeknownst to him at the time, he wasn't aware, but he had a fractured rib, and you saw it in the match. He was grimacing. He couldn't hit his forehand. He couldn't hit his backhand. It hurt for him to hit hit a to hit his serve he was just very uncomfortable in that match but Nadal is not a player to just like he's not going to forfeit the match he wants to give it to his opponent and say I'm going to give it everything that I had what ended up happening Nadal was out for six weeks afterward because he needed to heal from that injury yep. well now Nadal is looking as healthy as he can be for a 36 year old he just came off Whirl and Garros where he admitted that he got injections into his nerves I have no idea what he did for this tournament and we likely won't know until after uh, afterward but um that's number one but then number two Taylor Fritz has had a really easy draw leading up into this match he has beat every opponent in straight sets which sounds enticing but every player that he's played is ranked really low in the rankings whereas Nadal he has faced a couple of tough 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 opponents Lorenzo said uh, right out of the gate he faced Francisco Serendulo and I know that that's a clay court player 
that's still a really tough opponent when you're playing like a clay court player in Nadal versus another clay court player in Zedandulo. It was kind of a more so equal matchup because of the surface. He faced Lorenzo Senego. He just got off. Um, I mean, he, Nadal is coming into this match with a lot more preparation. Each match that he has had, it's progressively getting tougher. So he's coming into this warmed up. And Fritz is coming into this easy breezy. So I'm also weighing that in as a factor. And for that reason, I definitely see Nadal coming out with a win. I just, it's really hard to figure out if it's going to be in three sets, in four sets. It could go a full five and a fifth set tiebreak. But I like no, and, and confidently feel Nadal to win. You make very fair points. I mean, listen, Fritz, Pete, Wasati, Gray, Molkan, uh, you know, from Croatia, Kubler, who, of course, was making this great Australian run. So I'm with you on that. Nadal, as you said, you know, the reason I kind of faded him and, and bet on Dimonor and bet on Kyrgios in that half of the draw is because he just won in the French for the 14th time. That's insane. And the injuries could have caught up to him. He's looked really, really healthy. And if he stays that way and there's no injury issues, believe me, you know, he can not just win uh, against Kyrgios. He can win this whole darn thing. I did want to quickly ask before we get to the women about Djokovic. I mean, Yannick Sinner, the youngster, uh, of course, played great against uh, Alcaraz. Djokovic is minus 9-10 in this match. Sinner plus 650 or thereabouts. Any chance you would lean on a a, squat, a massive shocking upset, even though Sinner's a top 10 player, but those are just crazy odds right now. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I do not see it happening. I'm going to say that uh, Djokovic is either going to win in straight sets and at worst, it's going to be in four. And people are going to look at Sinner of how he just absolutely dominated Carlos Arcaraz. Carlitos, he's been the best player in sports as of late over the last six months. He's winning everything. He's destroying Djokovic. He's destroying it all. Okay, well, one, he had two grass court matches to his name prior to this year's Wimbledon. And his style of play, Carlos Arcaraz, we nobody knew coming into this whether it was going to translate well to grass or not. Well, this was the perfect matchup to find out. He could not, Carlos Arcaraz could not handle the powerful pace of Sinner. Usually, Carlos, he himself likes to dictate the play. And the fact that he wasn't able to, it completely rattled him. So you see Sinner's ball. It was coming fast. It was coming hard. It just, it threw Carlos out of chaos. He had no idea how to handle it. Well, now Sinner is going to be facing the number one, the best returner in the world in Djokovic. He was world number one for a really long time for a really good reason. And he is the best grass court player, not only right now of this on tour, but probably of all time. He's going to get a lot of balls back into play. Djokovic has a lot more variety in his game, and this is a surface that he is very comfortable in. So Djokovic has no problem with pace. And he's going to get it back, and he's going to use that pace against you. So Djokovic, I say he wins in straight, at worst, in four. All right, I like it. You got about a minute left here, Pam. Thanks again so much for joining us. Women's draw completely wide open now. Four seated players left. Oh, Jabor, the Tunisian, who's really kind of coming into her own. She's, of course, the, the odds-on favorite right now, Simona help Former major winner. She's the second favorite. Who do you like to get through the quarters and win this Wimbledon with so many of the top players out of it? I've been touting Simona Halep since pre-tournament, and she's still she's going to have a really tough draw tomorrow, a really tough matchup on Wednesday against uh, an American in Amanda Nisimova. But I mean, Simona Halep, she is playing some really good tennis. She's a former Wimbledon player. She has the pace, she has the power. Now she has the confidence because now she's with the coach that uh, it was Serena Williams' previous coach, and he was with her for ten years. Uh, some of her slams were won under the, his supervision. So now he's with Halep. And she has the type of play that is similar to that of Nadal. 
variety. Give me the slice. Give me the drop. She wants to wear you down also. She likes to extend the points. She likes to extend the rally. And she wants to burn your legs down to the ground. And that's when she pounces. She had a really good win today against uh, Badosa. That was 6-1-6-2. That was not at all what I was expecting. So I'm hoping that she gets through through Anisimova. And if she does, she's a solid contender to win it all. Pam is a big tennis fan. I can't thank you enough. You just broke that down like a romantic novel. I love it. Thanks so much for joining us here. Follow Pam on Twitter at PamelaM35. Pam, thanks so much for your time. Happy 4th. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Happy 4th. All right, great stuff there from Pam Maldonado. Please give her a follow on Twitter at PamelaM35. We'll talk a little more Wimbledon coming up next. It's Dan Leachin for Tim Murray and Sean King here on the Nightcap on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports bet. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. The Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season long. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only Terms and conditions and all other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Great stuff there from Pam Maldonado. Please follow her on Twitter at Pamela M35. And, you know, I, I I know she's, I can tell she's a big Rafa fan. And she made exquisite, fair, and correct points about why Rafa is doing what he's been able to do this this fortnight so far at Wimbledon. And also why he's got a great chance of winning it. But I'm telling you, if Kyrgios, who has a chance to you know, have his best run ever in a major, and she made great points about him as well, where this is a guy that when he is focused, and, and, and I talked about you know, Kyrgios coming out, and I know he did an interview, whether it was ESPN, uh, about you know, some of the mental issues he's gone through and the depression and the suicidal thoughts, and he wants to help others by kind of talking about that. He definitely, we all have our you know, own problems, but he definitely has had issues. And the guy is a star. He's a huge star in Australia. And effort, I mean, even, even in the match earlier today against Nakashima, who, by the way, Brandon Nakashima, the young Americans, 
uh, whether it's him or Fritz. And uh, obviously you've got, you know, such good young players that are coming up. The American men had more in this third round and the uh, through the second round and the third round than they had since 1995. So the future is bright for the young Americans. But even in the match today, he, he basically threw his service game at the end of the fourth set and even talked about it in the post-match interview because he's undefeated now 6-0 and in five-set matches at Wimbledon. But he basically threw it. I mean, he was like underhand serving and almost like hitting balls out of bounds on purpose. So even though this match, he was much more buttoned up. I mean, it was almost like night and day from the Pass match where it was just nonstop chaos, which Kyrgios likes to do and sometimes plays into his opponent's hand, uh, you know, and hurts his opponent. Uh, he did at one point today... <laughs> And we're going to get some audio that Kerry goes from the, after, the pre, after the match uh, in his presser in a second here. But he did when he broke for the second time in the fifth set, and it looked like it was obviously gonna, about to be over, just a matter of how many, how many more games he needed to win uh, to, to shuffle Nakashima out. He said he's done. Like he, how, and they even do follow McEnroe. They talked about it during the, the match. How many times have you had an opponent yell at his opponent, or had a player yell at his opponent in the middle of a match, saying he's done, he's gone, he's got nothing left? Like that's that's vintage Kyrgios. But if he plays his top level of tennis that he's played for the majority of the the fortnight, and listen, he talked about it after the match um, today that it wasn't his best level, but he still found a way in five sets against, against a very game, young 20-year-old uh, in Nakashima, you know, first time on center court, and even gave him credit after the match. It was very classy to see the way that at times Kyrgios has handled himself. But he's playing the Chilean Garin, who upset Dimonor, who was up two sets to love, and blew it, and still had chances, and match points in the fourth, and had chances in the fifth. Kyrgios is a huge favorite. He's minus 400 in the quarterfinal match, which is pretty big for you know any round, unless you're talking about the early rounds where some guys like Djokovic and others are minus two or 3,000. He should get by Garen, but I thought Dimonor would get by Garen and set up that all-Australian you know Australian, uh, quarterfinal. But if he does, and we'll see what kind of game Taylor Fritz can bring to Rafa Nadal, I think it's going to be a five-setter. I mean, we, Pamela Maldonado said, listen, it's either probably going to be a five-setter or not, and also going to basically sweep him in straight sets. If he gets by and plays, whether it is Fritz or Nadal, he will have a chance against either of them. But if it is Nadal, who's one of the greatest athletes ever, you know, this is grass. This is Kyrgios' best surface. This is not Nadal's best surface. Nadal just came off, you know, winning the, the French Open, coming off all the injuries. Yes, he looks healthy now. But that would be an absolute war if Kirio stays within himself and doesn't go nuts like he has at times, and especially at times of that Sitsipas match. He could beat Nadal. I don't think Nadal's going to, you know, play into his, uh, you know, shenanigans like uh, other opponents have, or you know, it won't affect Nadal like it's affected others because Nadal's seen everything, and Nadal's got his own kind of gamesmanship. So I'm fascinated to see him, you know, no matter who Kyrgios would play. If he gets by Garen, which I believe he will. And then on the top half of the draw courts, Djokovic in center and Gauthier, the, the veteran uh, who took out my man Francis Tiafo uh, against Cam Nori, the Brit, uh, the nine seed. That should be a fascinating match as well. It all goes down over the next couple days at Wimbledon. But speaking of Kyrgios and what he's been like, you know, during matches, after matches, of course, not this year after losses because he's won every match. But you see this in Australia. You've seen it in the U.S. Open. You've seen it, uh, you know, here at Wimbledon at times. Remember, he's a 19-year-old seven years ago. Uh, he was able to uh, get to the, you know, the, the quarterfinals or, you know, get to the, the place he's at now when he was 19. He hasn't been back since. But after his match, 
This is something that, that happened in his press conference about what he did or didn't wear. Take a listen to this after Kyrgios' win over Nakashima on Monday. Um, we all know the Wimbledon dress code rules are very strict. Mm. Um, competitors must be dressed in suitable tennis attire that's almost entirely white, mm. and this applies from the point at which the player enters the courts around. Yep. Why then would you walk onto centre court with bright red trainers on and do an interview in a red cap? Because um, I do what I want. So you're above the rules? No. I'm not above the rules. So what is it? That you, they don't apply to you? Well, um, I just like wearing my Jordans. But there are rules specifically against that. The referee, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but the referees are going to be speaking to you about it. That's okay. Afterwards, and that's okay. I'll wear some triple whites tomorrow. <laughs> but that's fine then. So everyone else, the other, everyone else in both drawers follows... But no one else, even, even, even after Wimbledon, like no one else really walks with Jordans on the court. Okay, Matt, sorry, we're going to... But sorry, no, I'm just sorry to say, Nick's just moaned about the controversy that surrounds him. I haven't moaned. I love well, it. you've laughed it off, so that's all part of it, isn't it? Well, yes, yeah, more attention for me. What's that saying? Any publicity is good publicity, right? If you say so. Okay. Keep doing you then, champion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so listen, I love the guy, but I also understand why some of you can't stand him. You know, listen, he... This is all... I don't want to get in, into like any kind of political theater here, but think about uh, recent politicians. And a lot of this is a total act. Now, some of it isn't an act because he really, I think, it's just kind of a wacky guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're all different kind of people. But <laughs> the, 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 I don't know who that reporter was. He was he was kind of being a little stuffy, but that's the way Wimbledon is. And he said, so the rules apply to you? Yes, you're above them? No. Like, I, I think in his mind, he's just like, I don't care. I'm just going to, Nick Kyrgios is going to do what Nick Kyrgios wants to do. And I mean, that was, that was a great exchange. I appreciate uh, producer Aaron pulling that because it's, that is the, that is quintessential Nick Kyrgios. It is because this is a guy who sometimes can't get out of his own way, but he's also at times hilarious. He's also at times completely unbearable, but when he is within himself and he like he said he likes wearing his Jordans. So I guess he's willing to take a fine or, I don't know, I guess thumb his nose at, at the uh, aristocracy of Wimbledon, which is very proper, and the royal box, and there's people that feel like it's, you know, kind of too elitist at times. But regardless of that, he is somebody that doesn't care, but when he's just playing within himself, and maybe that's, you know, wearing his Jordans and the, the Jordan hat that makes him happy, he is almost unbeatable. I mean, the way he has looked at times, his serve game, the way he was digging out winners against Nakashima today and against Sitsipas, there are times during this Wimbledon, this year's Wimbledon, that he has looked like the best grass court player in the world. I'm not comparing him to Roger Federer and, you know, Leighton Hewitt and some of the all-time greats, but this, this year with no Federer, and obviously Andy Murray aging and coming off an injury and out early in this tournament, and, you know, Andy Roddick's not still around, who's a great grass court player, and... You know, you've got guys like Djokovic, who are, of course, incredible. He's, you know, obviously the number one player in the world for a reason. But then you got a lot of young guys that have not won majors. And, of course, Nick is one of them. If he can keep playing the highest level of tennis like he has played for the majority of this tournament, he could beat anybody. I mean, will it be easy for him in a potential final to beat a Djokovic? Of course not. Djokovic would be probably a minus $300 favorite or, or there alike. But he is good enough to do so. You can't say that about everybody. You can't say that about, about a lot of players. 
But when you look at what he could do against Nadal, if he beats Nadal, if Nadal plays him in the semis, or even Taylor Fritz, who I think has a chance to beat Nadal, he could beat either of them. If he is playing his best tennis and not being too insane, being much more like he was today on Monday against Nakashima than he was against Tsitsipas or has been in the past against many other uh, you know, players where he's lost matches and started taking and serving underhand and yelling at lines people and spinning at lines people. If he stays within himself, this guy can win Wimbledon. He is that good on grass. It's definitely his best surface. He's played some of the best tennis of his life. He's played a ton of matches on grass. This could be the year that we don't see a Djokovic or a Nadal win a Wimbledon, win a big major like this. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what's next. That press conference was classic. All right. We're going to be joined by Jonathan Van Tobel. He's going to come up next to the VEASAN Senior NBA Analyst and host of The Edge. Talk a little NBA action with him. It's Dan Leach in for Tim Murray and Sean King right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And welcome back in here on July 4th. Fireworks going off around the country. Let's get some fireworks here with Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, the legend, the VEASAN senior NBA analyst, host of The Edge, and so many other things. JVT, great to have you on here. Appreciate you uh, joining us on the holiday. Yeah, no problem, man. Fourth of July. It's uh, very American to talk about uh, the NBA in July, right? It definitely is. It is it American, and I kind of went on a little rant earlier, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I understand where we're at in the NBA. I love the NBA. I just enjoyed it. Of course, the playoffs were solid, and the Warriors winning the title against a really good young Celtics team. But I just I get tired of these players deciding where they're going. And, and of course, the big news, Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, he wants to play for the Suns and the Heat. Maybe they want to play together. Am I being like I, – I, I act like I'm 15, so I can't be crazy old guy. But am I being a curmudgeon that I just hate – all these players making the decisions and no longer really in the GM's hands at times. This wouldn't happen in the eighties. No, I, I think there, there's like a middle ground to it, right? Like I, I'm actually, I'm very pro. I, I skew younger, right? I'm 31. So I'm kind of more like in the, I'm in the age range of Kevin Durant, right? So like right. I, I get it to a certain extent, uh, but I also get like, you know, Kevin Durant, for example, the, the Nets bent over for them. Like he, he did, they did everything possible for him. Paid him in the year of recovery from his injury. Got his buddy Kyrie Irving. They signed his buddy DeAndre Jordan, who was awful, uh, to a large contract that he did not deserve. Uh, they did a lot for him. And then at the end of the day, it still wasn't enough for him and he wanted out. Like, if you don't like that sort of thing, I can totally understand. Like, I'm in the I'm in the camp of player empowerment is relatively good. I think these guys are elite athletes. They make a lot of money for their teams, these GMs as well. And so I think they should have a certain say and a certain amount of power in where they go. But there is a limit to that. And when you're given everything you want, and at the end of the day, you're like, that's not good enough. I'm out of here. That's when I kind of understand the other side of it, you know? Yeah, that's 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 where I kind of go. I'm not saying like I have problems with players deciding, you know, what's best for them and they have every right to do that. But it just seems like sometimes these teams, as you mentioned, will bend over backwards. It's never enough. They want more. They want this. They want that. And I, I wonder what you think about Durant right now. I know the odds have the Suns as the favorite team. Minus 140 right now. The Raptors have moved up from around 12 or 10 to 1 to plus 250. You talked about wanting to go to the Suns in the Heat. And then Kyrie, a huge favorite to go to the Lakers at minus 400. Is there a chance they could go somewhere together? Or are we thinking about Durant going to the Suns? Maybe the the Raptors, maybe the Heat, and then Kyrie definitely go to the Lakers. 
Yeah, I think they're separating at this point. Now, all reports indicate that they are open to playing together, but there's no, there is a scenario in which they get acquired by the same team, but it's a very unlikely scenario, especially when you're looking at Brooklyn and what they'd get back in a scenario like that. So I think they're going their separate ways. And when it comes to Kevin Durant, I I put a small play on Toronto at 50 to 1. William Hill was a little slow out here in Vegas to move the odds on him. And, I just I think when you look at everything and you look at the four year contract that Kevin has that that does not allow him a certain amount of leverage. The Toronto Raptors have a history of doing this. We know what happened with Kawhi Leonard. They're a very well run organization. They're very well coached. Masai Ujiri is a very very respected executive in the NBA. A guy who could sit in a room with Kevin Durant after they acquire him, and I think get him to buy into the culture of what the Raptors are, and that would be a very good team. And they have the assets to do it, not only draft capital, but a potential building block in Scotty Barnes to throw in that deal, maybe OG Anadobi instead and some other pieces. But I think when you look at it, Toronto, is, there's a reason why they're climbing up the boards. And I brought this up a couple of times. If you go back, it's not that they acquired Kawhi. If you remember that offseason when Kawhi first was thrown out there as he's going to get traded, the Raptors were about 40 to 1 in terms of the global market. Uh, to acquire right. Kawhi Leonard, and then overnight, like out of nowhere, it was like 10 to 1, 6 to 1, 2 to 1, and favored. And this is a Toronto team that is willing to make moves like this, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again. So actually right now, for me, I think it's Toronto, if you're asking me right now, where I think Kevin Durant ends up. Yeah, and that having a team with Durant and Siakam, I mean that. I just I I love that with the the way Toronto can get you. And I know that as you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard obviously with the injury was was a problem. But you you look at it just Toronto's upside. They've got so many good young players. They could be a team. I mean, can they win the title with Kevin Durant? See, I, I think here's the. I don't know if they can do it this year, but. This is why I think it's an intriguing landing spot for him because, again, that four-year deal, it's not just about this year, right? I mean, maybe. like There's a lot of people say he could force his way out. Well, he could, but he's also under under control, so the Raptors could tell him, look, we traded assets. You're not going anywhere. But regardless, I think that you can get him to buy into the big picture, which is, look, not only are we a good organization, not only did we acquire Kawhi Leonard, we had a core round, and we went to go win the title – we have a long history over the last few years of drafting and developing, having an eye for talent, building strong teams. You stick with us through the rest of your four-year contract. We're going to be a really good team, but there's a really good chance over the course of this four years that we can become the best team in the Eastern Conference. So, like, are they going to win it this year if they acquire Kevin Durant? You know, maybe not. I still think, given you don't know what they're going to give up, but I still think Milwaukee's probably better than them. Boston is probably better than them. And maybe Philadelphia, because I really like their offseason. But there's not that many teams, and Kevin Durant's elite, and he can take over a series. So they they find their way to an Eastern Conference Finals as currently constructed this year, depending on what they get up. Sure. But I think in the big picture, if they acquire Durant, and then over the course of the next four years in which he is under contract, they have a history of building up strong teams, and that's going to be a team to reckon with over the course of the next four years in, in the Eastern Conference. No, definitely, it definitely will be. And, and speaking of a team that's part of that Eastern Conference that could be a you know a factor, and their odds just went from fifteen to one to around eleven to one. And I know you believe that a, if not the best offseason, right up there, uh, and that team in Philadelphia. I am. I'm ready to get hurt again. I like and and it's not like I was like a big believer in Philly last year at all. I actually you know I was riding the Boston train as much as I could. But <laughs> Philly is a team in which. 
Like I'm ready to kind of, I'm ready to let James Harden hurt me. Right. Because I think when you look at their off season, Anthony Melton, PJ Tucker, and the depth that they have acquired here, they needed three and D guys, Daniel house. They're rumored to be sniffing around Eric Gordon. And I know a lot of people are making jokes like, Hey, it's 2019 Rockets again. But if you think (laughs) about it, right. But this team needed, they needed three point shooting and they needed defense and they're acquiring it in droves here in the way that they're moving in this off season. I really like it. I like it a lot. And the rumors haven't really they've cooled down, but they haven't subsided on Tobias Harris potentially being moved. So if they move him for whatever they do, that's going to be an intriguing piece. But I just I like what they're doing here. They're they're addressing their weaknesses, kind of like what Boston did with Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. They're adding depth. I just I'm really intrigued by what this roster is. And say what you will about James Harden. He's still a top 25 player in the NBA, probably closer to 25 than he is to 10. Um, right. But he's still one of the better players in the NBA. And that pick and roll with him and Joel Embiid was statistically one of the best, if not the best, pick and rolls in the NBA last year. Tyrese Maxey's development is real. And so you put all of these pieces together and you look around in the Eastern Conference. What if Kevin Durant does go to Phoenix? Now, all of a sudden, you're, you could talk yourself into Philadelphia being the second best team in the Eastern Conference, depending on what you make of Milwaukee and Boston. So. I like Philly a lot, and you can still get them in the range of 14, 15 to 1. They were 17 to 1 a few days ago. I think that's more of a viable price, so I'm not going to invest now because that's going to be out there. But uh, they are a team that I am very tempted by this very early portion of the offseason. So basically you're telling me to trust the process. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like they've done a good job, and they got one of the best players, right? As much as I say, you know, Harden is closer to twenty-five than he is to ten, uh, and Bead's closer to one than he is to, I think, what ten or five. So, like, they, yep. they've got an elite player uh, in that role. So, yes, I am going to trust the process. Troll Embiid, as he calls himself, I'm kind of in. Yes, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid is inc- ridiculous, and and you, you listen. You mentioned the Harden stuff, like whether he's closer to. 25 and 15 or whatever, he still can take over games and is, is still, you know, he takes 100 shots a game, but he's still an incredible shooter. Before I let you go, JVT, I got to ask you about my Pistons. I'm here in Motown. We've been in no man's land for 13 years. Haven't won a playoff game yet, a little series since 2008. Too good to be a, you know, a top three or four draft team. Not good enough to be a, a legitimate playoff team. But Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, Duren for air, Jalen Duren for air, basically. He just got, I guess, I guess maybe for a pillow. We got Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel for the Knicks. What do you think about the upstart Detroit Pistons and Troy the Dreamweavers or GM? Man, I, I kind of, I'm really waiting for this market to get hung on, on like yes, no playoff props. Uh, depending on what the price is, I'm going to be very tempted to bet the, the Pistons to make the playoffs next year. Like, I really like this team a lot. I think Cade Cunningham, they hit it out of the park. He was my choice in our NBA guide for Rookie of the Year last year. Uh, I am a big Sadiq fan. Actually, each of the last two seasons, I have picked a Piston to win Rookie of the Year in our NBA guide. I picked Sadiq Bay two years ago, and I picked Cade Cunningham last year. I like what they've done with this team. And I'll tell you, my my fantasy was actually them acquiring Kevin Durant because I don't know if they're going to win a title, but that team with Sadiq Bag and oh, uh, Kate Cunningham, awesome. if they keep Kevin Durant, yeah, it'd be a really plucky and interesting team for the next few years. Uh, but no, I think they're heading in the right direction. I think they've hit every button correctly in terms of drafting the right guys. There's been some misses. Killian Hayes, you know, you have questions about what exactly right. he is at this point, but uh, I really like what they've done. They have hit... Uh, they have hit more than they have missed at this point right now, and they're definitely heading in the right direction. Well, I'll tell you this. With uh, JVT, there's no misses with you. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for the time, and keep up the great work. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. And yeah, there's Jonathan Van Tobel. Follow him on Twitter at NeJVT, Visa Senior NBA Analyst, host of The Edge, and so many other things. He is on top of it. 
when it comes to the association. We're going to talk some NFL coming up next. A very interesting article about roster rankings and how it correlates to Super Bowl odds. We will do that up here next. It's Dan Leach in for Tim Murray and Sean King on this beautiful July 4th holiday on the nightcap. Thanks again to Jonathan Von Tobel. Much more coming up here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only 19 bucks, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. What a deal. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily Major League Baseball best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber now through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com. Dot com slash summer. That's vison.com slash summer. We're rolling along here on the nightcap. Dan Leach in for Tim Murray, who's going to check in with us later on. I'm, I have up my grade producer Aaron to an A minus. I wanted a B plus. I think I, I've, I've crossed over to A minus territory, but I could never be a true A plus, which is what Tim Murray is and Sean King. Uh, Tim will check in with us a little later on. We're going to talk with Patrick Everson uh, coming up in a little bit, uh, the Vegas sports gambling reporter. Lots to get to with him on the hot dog eating contest and the controversy, uh, some NBA odds movement as well. We'll get to all that with Patrick Everson in just a little bit. Uh, But Dan Leach here with you, and happy 4th. And, you know, I know if you're in the East Coast like I am, I'm in the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. We're almost at, you know, the crossover to back to the work week which means more betting and, and opportunities to win some cash and closer to, you know, golf betting and Wimbledon matches. Uh, yeah, right now, what is it? Almost uh, 5 a.m. in jolly old England. And if you're out West, like I know Jonathan Van Tobel was, Jonathan Von Tobel, excuse me, uh, you have fireworks that are probably starting to go off all over the place and enjoy those. Be safe out there, whether you're with friends or family at the lake, at the beach, wherever you're at. Uh, enjoy your 4th of July festivities. I love it. I had some lake parties over the weekend. A bunch of barbecues, 
some rib action, hot dogs, steaks, burgers, way too many pasta salads. I'm supposed to keep down on the carbs. I'm trying to get in, you know, that 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 so- hot summer body. There's still time left, but uh, tons of great food this weekend. And then tomorrow, I'm not going to get much sleep tonight, which I don't really ever anyway. Uh, going up northern to northern Michigan for some really solid golf action. So can't wait for that. Nothing like golfing in the state of Michigan during the summer. I want to get into something interesting here when it comes to the NFL. By the way, I believe we're 53 or so days away from football being back, college and pro football. I can't wait. But a really interesting article that producer Aaron uh, sent to me earlier today uh, from ESPN about the NFL roster rankings for all 32 teams. And it talks about the strengths of the roster, the weaknesses, the X factors for every starting lineup as well. And there's some disparities when you look at the odds. Now, obviously, roster rankings by ESPN or whomever does them isn't going to be the end-all, be-all. But when you've got a, a you know reputable site, whether it's CBS or ESPN or whoever, whoever is what VEASAN ranks you know, uh, rosters, it's, it tells you a little bit of a story. Now, I'm going to give you the top five here. And then I, I want to look at some of the odds as well in correlation to where we're at with this. Uh, when you look at, you know, the Bills as having the number one roster, well, guess what? They do, and they're the favorite. There's a reason the Bills are the favorite. Uh, you know, you got Josh Allen. You know, you've got, uh, you know, just this incredible defense. They're so well coached. So that makes sense there. You've got the Buccaneers listed as the second best roster uh, in this article. And, of course, Tom Brady is back after the 22-second retirement. Uh, you know, uh, uh, extremely solid defense. I mean, Abea there now, Hicks, Golston, you, you know, Shaquille Barrett. Uh, they've got the pieces on offense like Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans and Godwin and Russell Gage and Cameron Brandon and Rob Gronkowski retired. Uh, and then, of course, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I mean, the guy's got seven Super Bowls. But then this is where it gets interesting. You've got the, the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, third best roster. They're 14 to one, though. And this is a team that I've talked about on my show, the Detroit CityCast, and I've really discussed, you know, with different NFL insiders. I think this Chargers team, when you look at what they have with Justin Herbert, just start and stop with him. And then, of course, we know what Austin Eckler can do. And Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Everett the tight end and Parnum Jr. is a backup tight end and, and plays a lot of, you know, snaps. And the defense with Joey Bosa and now Khalil Mack and Joseph Day, and J.C. Jackson. This is a team that I think is undervalued when it comes to the odds. And, you know, they might be listed as the third best roster, but they're not the third best odds. Actually, I think it's the, they're the fifth or sixth when you look at, you know, just based on where we're at with Super Bowl odds in this offseason. So they're a team that I've kind of identified myself, and there was a point earlier in the summer where I, re- I was able to get them, I think it was 17 to one. Um, and they're one of my plays to win the Super Bowl because, yeah, I mean, ever, there's going to be so much money on the Bills. I picked the Bills to win it last year. I'm going to pick the Bills to win it again this year because I think they do have the best quarterback. They do have the best roster. They are extremely well coached. And I'm, I'm fading the Buccaneers. Can the Buccaneers do it? Of course they can. You know, can the Packers do it? Of course they can. Can the Chiefs do it? Of course they can. But I think this is going to be the year where a team like the Chargers, uh, you know, a team like the Eagles with how improved they were able to to do things over the offseason with A.J. Brown and others. You know, the Bengals who made it there last year. Is this still an era where we're going to have Super Bowl hangovers? We had those forever. I don't know if we're going to with a guy like Joe Burrow and all the talent they have on Cincinnati and how well Zach Tyler, uh, Taylor's been able to coach them. 
So, yeah, and obviously another team that you have to put in the mix there is the defending champion Rams. I don't think the Rams, with all due respect to my man Matthew Stafford, who I've covered for years here in Detroit and, and said we had a great chance of leaving here and winning a Super Bowl in year number one, and I had a huge play on the Rams to win the Super Bowl, I don't think the Rams are going to go back-to-back. So it's about finding a team. I mean, the Bills are definitely my pick, but they're the favorite. They're 6-1. to one. There's not a tremendous amount of value there. It's about finding a team like the Chargers, 14 to 1. You see what ESPN thinks of their roster. You see what, you know, they have, you know, with guys like Justin Herbert. And I mentioned some of their offensive weapons. It, to me, it's going to be a fascinating year for the Los Angeles Chargers. The one thing that, that worries me is the fan base, uh, you know, because it's it, once they moved from San Diego and played at the soccer stadium, it just seemed like they're, you know, they, they could barely even sell it out. It was all home, you know, away fans. That could be a problem, but obviously now, when you look at what this team can do in the new building, I think things uh, can be very special for the Chargers. Then just to continue down the trough here with the rosters, uh, you know, you look at what the, the four, when this article thought the fourth ranked team was, and you've got the Rams at the fourth roster at 11 to one, got the Packers, uh, the fifth ranked roster at 10 to one, the Browns, the sixth ranked roster at 20 to one boy, the, the, the Browns, with the Deshaun Watson situation, and I do, I know the NFL is pushing for him to be suspended for a year. Uh, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to play in 2022. I really don't. But whether he does or not, they're they're a total mess there. We know that Baker Mayfield's not going to. So the Browns might have the sixth best roster, but with all the things hanging over the Deshaun Randy Watson situation, that's a problem. Eagles. I mentioned the Eagles are a team that I think you could have some value in in, in an NFC that's kind of opening up. Are the Packers really going to be that good? I'm, I'm not totally buying it. You know, I know the Packers very well being an NFC North guy, but when you look at the Eagles probably having the best offensive line in the NFL entering the season. You know, Jalen Hurts, he does have some question marks, but he is capable of being a quarterback that can lead a team, you know, to multiple playoff wins at Derrick State Super Bowl. Having guys like Devontae Smith, bringing in A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard's a solid tight end. I mentioned they have that incredible offensive line. And then you look at the defense. The defense with Brandon Graham, the former Wolverine, uh, you know, star. Fletcher Cox. Nicobe Dean. I mean, you've got some Darius Slay former Detroit Lion. Uh, they've got a very, very solid defense. So to me, the Eagles could give you some value when you got 28 or so to one. So that is uh, what you got to kind of look at for this time of year, finding value in, in ways that, you know, team people are going to throw a lot of money on the Bills or the Buccaneers, uh, the Packers, the obvious teams. You got to look elsewhere. And then to finish out the rest of that list, Eighth best roster review of this ESPN article was the Bengals. They're 22 to 1. I mentioned I don't really believe in the Super Bowl hangover anymore, like we saw maybe 20, 30 years ago, since this, you know, going back to 2001, this division, uh, eight division format era of parity. So I think the Bengals can get right back there. They're a completely loaded team. Chiefs have the ninth best roster, but they've got, uh, you know, a 10 to 1 uh, shot Super Bowl odds wise. So their roster's down there, but their odds are, you know, kind of in line with what that roster is right now. And then you look at the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, I'm not buying at all. They are looked at as having the 10th best roster because I just don't believe in Tua right now. Uh, but they are 40 to one, and they should be 40 to one. Even though uh, you know ESPN in this this kind of encapsulation of all these rosters made them uh, the 10th best roster. I mean, Tua is so many question marks. But listen, they got they bring in Tyree Kill. They've got Jalen Waddle, the youngster. Kasaki's been a solid tight end. Uh, they do have a good defense with Ingram uh, and, and Sealer and Wilkins and Davis and Xavier Howard, who's an incredible quarterback and has been ranked really highly in recent years. So we'll see what happens with the Dolphins, but I'm not buying them right now as long as 
to attack of a low as the quarterback until he shows me something really, really special. All right, we're going to talk with Patrick Everson, Vegas Sports Gambling Reporter. Coming up next, it's Dan Leach in for Tim Murray and Sean King here on the nightcap on this July 4th holiday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.